He saves us on no other ground than that we trust Christ. God is in danger of impugning his own justice. If the penalty is not paid, he's not going to open the back door of heaven and slip sinners in under cover of darkness, and he's not going to let down the bars of heaven to bring you in, my friend. But he loved you, and Christ died for you to make our way. The penalty has been paid, and now we know that Christ paid the penalty for our sin, and our salvation rests upon through faith in his blood. He paid the penalty. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Now we have here a new section that's beginning. We have here a revelation of the wrath of God against all unrighteousness. We have here the revelation of the sin of man, beginning here at verse 18 through the 20th verse of the third chapter. And friends, this is sinorama. The universal fact is man is a sinner. And the ecumenical movement is always away from God. And the axiom you can put down here is the world is guilty before God and all need righteousness. Now, Paul is not attempting in this section to prove man's a sinner. You attempt to read it that way, you'll miss the point. All Paul is doing is stating the fact that man is a sinner. And first of all, he not only shows that there's a revelation of the righteousness of God, but there's the revelation of the wrath of God against the sin of man. Now, we have here a natural revelation of God. This is the original version, by the way. And we don't have any translations of this one. You can read it in the original. Every one of us can do that. Listen to him. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. Now, let's look at this for just a moment, because this is very important. The wrath of God is revealed today. Actually, you want to know what salvation really is. You have to know how bad sin is. Stifler again says sin is the measure of salvation. Now, the wrath of God is God's feeling and not his punishment of sin. It's his holy anger. Wrath is the antithesis of righteousness, and it's used here as a correlative. It's being revealed. This is God's answer to those who assert that the Old Testament presents a God of wrath, while the New Testament presents a God of love. There is a continuous revelation of the wrath of God, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's revealed in our contemporary society. This is God's constant and insistent displeasure with evil. He changes not. God is merciful, not because he's lenient with the sinner, but because Christ died. The gospel has not changed God's attitude towards sin. The gospel has made it possible to accept the sinner. The sinner must have either the righteousness or the wrath of God. Both of them are revealed from heaven. And you can see it on every hand. You want to know how bad sin is? You look at the venereal diseases today. You don't get by with it. My friend, you don't get by with sin. Not at all. I'm not 
attempting today to give personal illustrations, but I've been a pastor long enough to see again and again the judgment of God upon sin. It's revealed from heaven. There will be a final judgment, and now it's against all ungodliness. Ungodliness is that which is against God. It's that which denies the character of God, the irreligiousness today. Those that disregard the existence of God, that's a state of the soul. God hates that, to deny him, not recognize him. That's sin. Unrighteousness. Now, unrighteousness is against man. Ungodliness is against God. Unrighteousness is against man. What does that mean? It's the denial of the rule of God. It's the action of the soul. That man that gets drunk, goes out on the freeway, breaks every traffic law, and kills someone. My friend, that's unrighteousness. He's sinning against man. The man that is dishonest in business, that man's unrighteous. God hates that. God will judge that. There are those that hold it down. They repress it. But may I say to you that the wrath of God is revealed against those because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now there is this original revelation from God. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, this universe that you and I live in, it tells two things about God, his person and his power. And it's been from the time that the world was created, and it's clearly seen. How can invisible things be seen? Well, Paul made this a paradox purposely. When people say today, oh, the dim light of nature way back yonder at the beginning, man in the Stone Age, and he began to fall down when a tree fell in the wilderness and the lightning struck it. That's a man-made lie. Creation is as clear as anything possibly can be. Creation is one of God's methods of revelation and its primary revelation. The psalmist says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, why the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork, his eternal power and deity power and person. Creation reveals the unchangeable power and existence of God. He's left himself without witness in that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our heart with food and gladness. And we are the offspring, not the sons of God, but the creation of God. And we ought not to think the Godhead's like unto gold or silver. There is that within man which so catches the meaning of all that's without as to issue in an instinctive knowledge of God. I think today the most ridiculous thing in the world is an atheist. He is the most illogical. He's the most senseless. He's the most stupid. For the fool hath said in his heart, that word fool means insane person. You're insane when you deny the existence of God. It's a great universal fact that man is totally depraved. And there is an ecumenical movement, but it's not toward God, it's away from God. 
and the whole world stands guilty before God, and all need righteousness which they cannot supply at all. You see that God cannot save man by perfection, because man can't present it. And he can't save man by imperfection, because he is holy. So God has had to step in and provide man a salvation. The question is, does he need it? And Paul puts down here these basic facts that man is a sinner before God. Now, if he isn't a sinner, he doesn't need a Savior. And the measure of salvation, of course, is the measure of sin. And it's what you think of yourself that will determine what you think of Christ. If you are self-sufficient, you won't need him at all. And if you see yourself in need of a Savior, then you will turn to him. That is all important. Now, Paul's not trying to prove here man's a sinner. He's merely stating facts that are quite obvious. 